Welcome to Throne of Chaos. We are your hosts, Kelsey and Autumn. And today we are discussing chapters 21 and 22 of Throne of Glass. As a disclaimer, we do not represent Sarah J. Mass or Bloomsbury Publishing. All thoughts and opinions in this episode are our own. So to recap last week's episode, we went over chapters 19 and 20. We see Caltaine is scheming and plotting and she wants to wed Dorian. And we also learn how she ended up at the castle and that Duke Parrington is courting her. Kale scolds Dorian for sparring with Selena and Nehemia. And Selena plays the piano forte again for the first time in over a year. And she plays a mournful song thinking of Sam and the circumstances around his death and her capture and sentence to Endovier. Dorian watches her play utterly surprised and transfixed. And Selena accuses him of using her for an unfulfilled desire for adventure and excitement. Then before he goes, he asks her about her mystery lover she was thinking about as she played, and she admits that his name was Sam, and he died 13 months ago. So chapter 21 begins with Selena dangling 70 feet up from the stone wall of the castle. She digs her tar-covered fingers and toes into the cracks of the giant blocks. Brulo shouted something from below, but his words were carried away with the wind. One of the champions hadn't shown up to the test, and his guards didn't know where he went. Selena thinks that maybe he actually managed to escape and that risking it seemed better than this stupid test. Okay, so one, another victim for Kane. But I guess I can't blame her for like having hopeful thoughts that somebody got away. And also, how did nobody notice people scaling the side of the castle? Right. They're just in a courtyard. Did nobody be like, oh, that's weird. Like 20 people are climbing the side of the (laughs) castle. Because they were jumping over people's like they climb over people's windows and balconies and everything to get up there. Right. Because obviously the sponsors know and Mm -hmm. the nobility or whatever, but they're kind of hiding it for everyone else in the castle, especially the queen and her court and all of that. So, yeah, they aren't very inconspicuous about this. So, yeah, like it's just the king's trusted people, which amounts to 23 people since there was 23 champions. A small number of people know. And then Caltaine later on when she gets to be a part of the whole ending battle. But right, right. we're not there yet. But I just literally had to write it in my book. I'm like, how did nobody see this? <laughs> nobody? Nobody. Okay. So 20 feet up and 30 feet away was a golden flag. Whoever got to the flag first would win the test. The last one to reach the spot 90 feet up would be sent back to whatever gutter they came from. Surprisingly, no one had fallen yet, perhaps because the path to the flag was fairly easy. Balconies, windowsills, and trellises covered most of the space. Selena scooted up another few feet, her fingers aching. She thinks about how Arabin used to make her stand on the ledge of his assassin's keep for hours on end to become accustomed to heights. Okay, he's just the worst. And he is lucky that Lysandra was the one to him because imagine if rowan had been allowed to kill him it would have made what happened to how do you say that guy's name because that's karen karen Karen. c-a-i-r-n i I mean i I realize (laughs) now but i spelled it like karen and now i just was picturing him with like like a karen Karen hair i need to speak to the manager Imagine if he's torturing Aelin and all this, and he's the 
basically Kate from John and Kate plus eight. His scenes, I'm going to be like, yeah, serious autumn. Don't laugh. It is serious. It's very serious. It's very serious. But now all I'm going to see is him with that haircut. Right. But like Rowan would have made that look like child's play if he'd been the one or if Aelin actually would have been the one allowed to kill him in that moment. It was almost like he just wasn't even worth her time because she was like, "Mm, I'll let Lysandra, which Lysandra had every bit of a reason to do it too. Between the two of them, they both had disgusting things was done to both of them by this man. And so they both had the, imagine if they were allowed to kill him together. Picture Aelin going like Dexter-esque on him, but had like Lysandra beside her being like, this is how you kill a man. Just (laughs) I mean, it I, it played out the way it did because Lysandra was able to get with him in such an unguarded moment and he wouldn't have seen it coming. Whereas he would have, he's suspicious of Aelin like the whole yeah, time. He, Obviously he trained her, but he didn't expect that from Lysandra because she didn't have the same skill set as. Because she was just a quarter son. Right. She wasn't anything special. Right. She got you. I can't wait to get all, into all of that. Yeah, I can't wait for Queen of Shadows. Yeah, we'll get there. it's coming it's coming right but each of these little tidbits into her life growing up with him and how it kind of all played out is just making it when we finally meet him just oh just want to strangle him and his death that much better because we learn all of these little tidbits sprinkled in of all the things he made her do yes she made her way up to a window ledge. It was deep enough that she could crouch within it and take a moment to observe the other competitors. Kane was in the lead, taking the easiest path towards the flag. Grave and Varen were on his trail with Knox close behind. Paler was not far below him. There were so many competitors following close together that their equipment often got tangled together. Each champion was allowed to select one item to aid them, a rope, spikes, or special boots. Kane went right for the rope, and Selena selected a small jar of tar. She'd used some rope to strap the small tin to her belt. Her black hands and her bare feet easily gripped the stone wall. She knew she had taken the most difficult path, but it was better than fighting with the rest of the competitors. She also wouldn't put it past Grave or Varen to push her off the wall. She hears a shriek and a thump and then silence, followed by the shouting of onlookers. A competitor had fallen and died. She looked down and saw that it was Ned Clement, the murderer who called himself Scythe, and had spent years in the labor camp of Calcula for his crimes. Though the murder had made many of the champions quiet down, the sponsors certainly didn't seem to care that this test might very well kill a few more of them. So that's already two dead champions in this chapter. I want to know who pushed him specifically because I feel like it was a push. Right. They're all fighting to go up this same path that Kane went on. It's like, yeah, he didn't just fall by accident. So that's four dead. One that was trying to escape. Mm -hmm. This one just fell from the wall. And now two, which we don't know it yet, but they're by Kane doing his sacrifice. Here's what Dorian thinks. It was just a drunken brawl. Right. That's four dead, not including the ones that have been sent home from the tests. Yeah. Also, now that a human has fallen off of it, again, how did nobody notice? Mm -hmm. And why did they technically have to finish just to see what all place they all came in? Because, like, he died, so (laughs) 
He's out of it. So you're Maybe all they good. just wanted to see who else would survive it. She shimmied up the drain pipe. Kane hooked his long rope around a gargoyle's neck and swung across the expanse of flat wall, landing on a balcony ledge 15 feet below the flag. Selena fought her frustration as she climbed higher up the drain pipe. The other champions continued to follow Kane's path. There were more shouts as she looked down to see Grave causing a backup. He couldn't manage to imitate Kane's toss around the gargoyle's neck. Baron nudged Grave aside and threw his rope, making it on the first try. Knox, who was now behind Grave, went to do the same, but Grave began cursing at him, so Knox stepped back, raising his hands. Okay, one, Knox is a smart man for not picking that fight, but also the part where she shimmied up the drain pipe. I instantly get flashbacks from Grease when it's, oh, I can't remember her name, but Kaniki shows Rizzo. up. Rizzo, Rizzo, yes, and, and Kanika shows up, and she's like, what are you going to do, shimmy down the drain pipe? Selena's shimmying up it, and right. Rizzo's shimmying down. But yeah, I just saw that scene pop up in my head. Play out in your head, yeah. Yes. Selena braced her feet. Soon she would be parallel with the flag, then only 30 feet of bare stone would separate her from it. Fifteen feet below her, a mercenary was clutching the horns of a gargoyle as he set about fastening the rope around its head. She was in no danger of him trying to scale the drain pipe to bother her. Then she heard Knox shout. Selena looked up in time to see Grave shove him from their perch. Knox swung wide, the rope around him going taut as he collided with the castle wall. Selena froze as she watched Knox scrap his hands and feet against the stone, trying to catch a hold. But Grave wasn't done. He pretended to adjust his boot as he took out a small dagger and began sawing Knox's rope. Selena briefly wondered how he managed to get a weapon past his guards and tries to give a warning cry, but it was carried away by the wind. She can't even get a butter knife and he manages to get a dagger. That's because Kale's in charge of Selena, so she has to actually follow the rules. Yeah, nothing but getting like, past him. <laughs> he's a stone wall. Like. <laughs> he's one of the only ones who's still in chains and stuff most of the time like he's a terrible person out of all of them yeah he somehow manages a dagger so i guess whoever is in charge of grave is one of the king's favorites yeah i mean him and kane aren't really allies at this point i mean they kind of pair off together and stuff but his guards are just lazy i think of them very much as like the careers in hunger games they stick together until they don't have to Yes, but who was the the blonde brother and sister? Glimmer and the one that fights Katniss at yeah. the end. Alex Hudlin is his name in real life. The character. <laughs> I don't know. His, the actor. The yeah. actor. But like, Kang gives me that vibe. Mm-hmm. And then Grave and Varen are like the other two careers that are just like hanging in the back. They know they aren't going to win, but they're just chilling there. They're biding their time. They're letting the bigger guy do all the dirty work and kind of following his lead Mm -hmm. until it comes down to the nitty gritty. Yeah. No other champion bothered to do anything. Even Paler barely paused before easing around Grave. It would be one less competitor to worry about if Knox died and interfering might cost them the test. Selena knew she should keep moving, but something kept her rooted to the spot. Knox couldn't find a hold, and he had nowhere to go but down. He looked up at the assassin in four. If he fell, there was no chance of surviving. 
only a few more slices of Graves blade and the rope would be severed entirely. In as much crap as they give her about being an assassin, Selena does care about the innocent and injustices and things that happen to them. And also the little nod of something kept her rooted to the spot because later on her saving him puts him on her side and comes in to help her in such a big way. Mm -hmm. And she didn't do this to get something in return. She just saw what was happening and saw that it wasn't right and stepped in. Even though she was trained to not do that, it was ingrained in her to not do that. She was still saw it was wrong and just had to step in and be the hero at the end of the day. But this moment helps her so much in the long run, six books later. So yeah. And you have to think about how many of these little moments she had before this book and throughout the rest of the books that later show up to help her in her greatest time of need. Her just being a good person came back to help her in a big way. Selena moved. Her feet and hands tore open as she slid down the metal drain pipe. She didn't let herself think of the pain. The mercenary below leaned into the wall as she slammed into the gargoyle's head. He had already tied one end of his rope around the gargoyle's neck. She took it and tied the other end around her her waist. Touch this rope and I'll gut you, she warned him. There was a sharp snap of the rope breaking. At Knox's cry of fear and rage, Selena took off, sprinting along the backs of the four gargoyles before she launched herself into the void. Okay, this scene just sounds so cool. Imagine it cinematically. And it's it's such quick, boom, 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 boom. Like he's about to fall. She has to shimmy down the drain pipe warn the other assassin, put his rope around her, run across and just jump off, hoping she saves him. And her her feet and hands getting cut down the drain pipe just sounds Oh, yeah, just like, And she's just like, there's no other option of just, she's like, this is going to hurt and I just have to do it. I just want to, I want to see that scene. Mm -hmm. I want it played out. So going into chapter 22, Selena kept her focus on Knox, falling so fast, so far from her outstretched hands. The light gleaming off the glass castle blinded her, but there he was. In a heartbeat, her arms were around him as she slammed into him so hard the breath knocked out of her. Together, they plummeted down towards the rising ground. Knox grabbed the rope, but she still felt the full impact in her torso as the rope went taut. She held on to him with every ounce of strength she had, willing her arms not to let him go. They careened toward the wall, and the impact burst through her side and shoulder. She held tightly to him as they hung there, panting. They were thirty feet above the ground. The rope held. Lillian, God's above, Knox gasped, pressing his face into her hair. Cheers erupted from below. Selena's limbs trembled violently, her stomach turning over and over. This is such a real feat that she was able to save him like she did. And at the cost of her losing the race and her body, the toll it took on her, And she's so freaking strong to hold on to a grown man as you're following through the air and and the rope, the fact that it held. There's just so much at play here and I'm just so impressed. I just got a flashback as you were reading it of the scene from Mulan when they're trying to save her and she's falling off the snow edge. Uh The one dude's crying because his arrow missed and so she took the arrow and she shot it back and it landed in his hands. (laughs) I just picture that scene of, how did that rope hold a full-grown yeah. woman, a that horse, some, that was some good a cricket. Knots. That, that mercenary was in 
some Boy Scouts because those nuts yeah. were good. He gets he gets a round of applause for <laughs> tying a good knot in that situation right. so that the rope right. didn't snap on them because that was two full grown people that that mm-hmm. the sucker held up. Mm-hmm. Take a shot every time we bring up another movie or book. <laughs> <laughs> only participate if you're 21 years old and not driving <laughs> oh we're gonna have a disney reference somewhere possibly harry potter in there speaking and of harry potter or- if you're watching this um i'm wearing my favorite sweatshirt and it says if you <laughs> if you can read this my invisibility cloak isn't working love it shout out to the after color shop oh i love them yes They were still in the middle of the test, still expected to complete it. All of the champions had stopped to see her save Knox, all except Kane. Selena gaped as he ripped down the flag, howling his triumph to more cheers from the crowd below. She seethed. She would have won if she had taken the easy route as well. And she would have done it in half the time. But Kale told her to stay in the middle, though her path had been far more impressive and demonstrative of her skills. All Kane had to do was jump and swing, amateur scaling. But if she had won, gone the easy way, then she wouldn't have saved Knox. She thinks there's nothing worse than second place just as Varen, Grave, Paler, and Renault climbed to the spot, tapped it, then began their descent. Brillard tells her and Knox to hurry up. She started looking for a foothold as she slid her feet along the cracks in the stone. Her skin, raw and bleeding in spots, stung as she carefully pulled herself up. Knox apologizes, also trying to find a foothold. She tells him it's fine as she climbs back to the wall, leaving him to figure out his own way. It had been foolish to save him. What had she been thinking? She was a good person. Yeah, she was a good person. But also, Knox is probably like, this poor man is in shock and he's being yelled at to hurry up and climb back up a wall. He literally just got pushed off of. Right. And he chose the rope. His rope is now gone. So now he just has to scale the thing. With yeah. nothing. Because she's still How did he attached. get back up there? Yeah, she's still attached by a rope and has her tar still. So How did that other mercenary get back up there? Because she stole his rope. Yeah. I have questions, Sarah. Pray, pray he didn't fall, I guess. Because holding on by the Lord's will up that thing. It had taken two baths and an entire bar of soap to get the tar off Selena's hands and feet. Philippa had spent 30 minutes cleaning out and binding the wounds on them. Kel tells her to cheer up. 18th place is fine. At least Knox placed behind you. She says nothing. She had stopped shaking, but she could still hear the scream and thump of Ned's body hitting the ground. He was the reason Knox hadn't been eliminated. Grave hadn't been scolded. There were no rules against playing dirty. Is Kale not even concerned that Grave had a dagger? Like, he's so against Selena even having a butter knife. But the fact that I mean, obviously, you can play dirty in the competition, but afterwards, wasn't he like, um, (laughs) we're going to confiscate that from you now, you know? Like, you have an illegal dagger that you, you're literally a murderer. You like cutting open women Mm -hmm. in very disgusting ways. No, you don't get to keep your secret hidden knife. I get, okay, what's like, well, that was kind of crappy what you did, but. We're going to take that dagger now, but there's just no word about it. Everyone just like, goes about their day. You play dirty with a tool that you were not supposed to even have. Mm-hmm. And Mr. So Rule Follower over here isn't checking up on that. Because it was someone other than Selena breaking the rules. Sus. That's okay. She's the only one that gets called out for things. Kale goes on. You're doing exactly as we had planned. 
though I'd hardly consider your valiant rescue to be entirely discreet. She glares at him, saying she's still lost. Dorian had congratulated her for saving Knox. The thief hugged and thanked her over and over, but Kale had frowned. Apparently, daring rescues weren't part of a jewel thief's repertoire. And even though she saved someone's life, Kale can't stand that she deviated from the plan, his plan. Come on, Mr. Morals, where are you? Like, it would have been okay to let Knox die, knowing that she could have saved him, but later on, she's crucified for killing a murderer. Like, I'm confused. Like, make it make sense. Like, when do lives matter and when do they not? Because he just seems to just pick and choose here. I just need you to know I'm loving that the rant is coming from you <laughs> for once instead of me that I'm just sitting here just like, keep going. Yes. But yeah, I'm like, when is a death okay and when is it not? Because he holds Graves' death over her for like for the, the entire rest of her series. Life. Yeah. We're in Tower of Dawn and he's still, he's like, oh, I can't trust Aelin because she no. killed a murderer. And I'm like, duh, you idiot. Yeah, it just, it just doesn't make sense if in this time, I mean, he doesn't get on to her for saving Knox, but he frowns at her in his little also, judgmental way that he always is but yeah also I think he was a little jealous because another man was paying attention to her and remember he can't no one right. else should like her but he also can't like her but right this man is confusing yeah I won't want to be in his head but it couldn't but it couldn't be me Irene is a much stronger woman than I'll ever be mm-hmm. wasn't learning to lose gracefully part of your training he asked her no Arabin told me that second place was just a nice title for the first loser. Arabin Hamel, the king of the assassins. Why is he shocked that Arabin Hamel was who she was with? Did we have this discussion about how she got her scar with him? It's so like a shock he, every time. Yeah. Like every time he hears his name, he's like, oh my God, you were trained by him? Yeah, mm -hmm. we talked about this 45 minutes ago in yeah. my bedroom. Yeah. While what you were grouching What were at you me. doing that like, whole conversation? But also, what makes him think that an assassin would learn how to lose gracefully? Because I feel like yeah. as an assassin, if you lose, you die. Right. There's no other option. Like, you win or die. There's no second like, place. What, what made you think that she was ever trained to not win? Because typically, it's a life or death situation. Either you kill the person you're supposed to kill, mm -hmm. or they kill you. She thinks it is strange that Arabin is in the same city so close to her now. He would have flogged her for saving Knox, jeopardizing her own safety and place in the competition. You know he was my master, don't you? Kel tells her that he had forgotten, then asks, he oversaw your training personally? Arabin's so well known, and how is he just able to live freely? Selena was caught and then sent to the slave mines for her crime, because she's notorious, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Yet, here is Arabin just existing and attending parties and he hobnobs with these important people and he's known as the king of the assassins. And also, I just love that throughout all the 10 years in the way he taught and raised Selena, that it didn't quell her humanity and she is still just fiercely loyal. She's protective and she can't stand for injustices of innocent people. Like mm -hmm. she knew he wouldn't have wanted her to save him. Not just because of her own okay. safety, not even yeah. about her own safety. He, I don't think he really even cares about that. But because she jeopardizes her place of 
in the competition and her training reflects on him yes like that I feel like that he would have like beat that out of her a long long time ago and even tried yeah like even that just she still stands true to her morals and her character and who she is as a person yeah and it just shows how much stronger of a character she gets beaten down a lot but she doesn't actually get broken Mm-hmm. with Arabin being allowed to go into parties and things like that I feel like it's kind of like today's society of money is power right and exactly. we can get into a lot of political things which we're not right about of examples of this in the real world mm-hmm. but like because he has so much money he's allowed to get away with these things right and it's those people that are are hiring him for it and yes. then he has his assassins do the dirty work so technically but yeah he's like the, the ringleader exactly yeah. he's the mob boss and they're all the little underlings doing all the dirty work yeah so like so the mob boss doesn't actually commit the pulling crime. the trigger they're, well they don't yeah. have guns in this world but slicing the arrow <laughs> the yeah like he has people who work for him so he right. doesn't actually do any of the killing anymore right yeah at some point in time before he built his empire or whatever he probably mm-hmm. was but now right. that he's in charge he just gets other people to do it Also, Selena was kind of a fall guy of sorts. You know, her name was known. No one knew who she was. They kept it a secret that she was a girl. And it just sounded good for the king to say, oh, we captured Otterland's assassin and we sent her to prison. But didn't say anything else about her. Right. Just took her to prison. He trained me himself and then brought in tutors from all over Aurelia. The fighting masters from the rice fields of the southern continent poison experts from the Bogdano jungle. Once he sent me to the silent assassins in the red desert. No price was too high for him or me. He didn't bother to tell me until I was 14 that I was expected to pay him back for all of it. He trained you and then made you pay for it? She shrugged but was unable to hide the flash of anger. Courtesans go through the same experience. They're taken in at a young age and are bound to their brothels until they can earn back every coin that went into their training, upkeep, and wardrobe. That's despicable. Did you pay it back? She was shocked at the anger in his voice, for once not directed at her. A cold smile spread across her face. Oh, down to the last copper. And he then went out and spent all of it, over 500,000 gold coin, gone in three hours. Kel started from his seat. She shut the memory down so deep that it stopped hurting. We now know what he spent that on, Lysandra. Yeah. And again, she gives Kale more insight into her life. And just like the courtesan, she was so young, she didn't have a choice. And I guess at least Kale is outraged by this. I guess that's one point for him. And she wasn't an assassin for the fun of it. She had to work to pay him back mm-hmm. because he tra- he trained her. So then she had to work for that, just like any other job you would have to go. And it was an outrageous amount of money. And then... When she was close to paying it back, then all that <laughs> happened with the slaves in Skulls Bay. So then she had to pay him back for that. So it was just never ending amount of money just being tacked on top of it. And then she finally did pay him back. And even when she did, she still wasn't free because then she pretty much went straight to Endovier. Yeah, which the only reason she was even able to actually pay him back was because the leader guy, I can't remember his name right now, it escapes me, of the Silent Assassins, when she showed up with all that money to pay him for mm-hmm. her to be trained, he was like, take this back and give it to him for mm-hmm. your freedom. I so know. she only was able to afford it because of the kindness of the another assassin somewhere yeah. else who didn't even know her. 
Elias is the son's name, but I can't think of the dad's name. Yeah. But, I mean, they're assassins too, but I just feel like they have so much more honor. Yes. Besides, what's, why can I not think? <laughs> what's the girl's name? Briar? Briar. No. Ansel. Ansel Briar Briarcliff. Briar's Briar the human. is the in human men. in Aquar. Yeah. And also Briar is the name of one of the uh one of the thirteen, I think. Ansel though, she was kind of sketch. She turned out good later on. But still, they just seem to have a code of honor mm-hmm. among them, I guess. Yeah. She changes the subject. You still haven't apologized. He asks her for what? For all the horrid things you said yesterday afternoon. He says that he won't apologize for speaking the truth. She tells him that he treated her like a crazed criminal. And you said you hated me more than anyone alive. She tells him she meant every word of it, but began smiling and saw that he was too. He tossed a piece of bread at her, which she caught and threw back. Idiot, she said, grinning. Crazed criminal, he returned, grinning too. She says, I really do hate you. At least I didn't come in 18th place, he said. Selena's nostrils flared as she chucked an apple at his head. I know this is supposed to be the beginning of like enemies to lovers, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't hit like it really does with this one. On my first read, I wasn't all against him because I didn't really know Selena yet. Yeah. But now, now that we've been through it with her, I can't stand this that he does to her. Since I knew because of TikTok and Instagram, I knew that it was Aelin and Rowan. I had an idea that Selena might have been Aelin, but I didn't know Selena was Aelin. But mm-hmm. I was so in love with her and Dorian's interactions mm-hmm. together that, like, when they broke up, I was like, are you kidding me? She better yeah. be freaking Aelin yeah. because I'm mad if she's not. I was more into Dorian than Kale in this little love triangle of this first book because I'm Team Prince here instead of Captain of the Guard, but still. Dorian very much has PETA vibes. And now we know where I fell in the Hunger Games. (laughs) Love triangle. Exactly. But he does. If you think about it. is Gail. Gail. He (laughs) totally would have bombed her sister. (laughs) Sorry for the spoilers for anyone who's never seen Hunger Games. That is like 15 years old. I think it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kale. Gail vibes all the way. All the way. He has the you should be with me vibes. And holds the murder over her. Like she, he, like Gail holds the kiss when she was like, I literally was doing that to save my life. I had to survive. They have the same vibe. It makes so much more sense now. They act like they're just high and mighty on these morals. When if you come back to it, it's like, what's your definition of morals? What's your definition of a good guy or a bad guy or what's Mm -hmm. good or what's wrong? Like, yeah, it makes sense. We're sorry for the Hunger Games rant, except for not really. (laughs) Later, Philippa delivered the news. The champion who hadn't shown up for the test had been found brutally mauled and dismembered in a servant's stairwell. The new murder cast a dark cloud over the next two weeks, including the next two tests, which were stealth and tracking. Selena passed without drawing too much attention or risking herself to save anyone. Even though no other champions were murdered, Selena still found herself constantly looking over her shoulder, though Kale considered the two murders to be just unfortunate incidents. So we're what down to so minus... two more tests. So two more champions are gone. We were down to nineteen. So now we're at seventeen. And because Kale has no experience with 
solving murders. He just claims they were incidences. And does he just go on like normal? Um, excuse me. I would still want to know what happened and who did it because they were brutally gutted. It's not just the brawl that Dorian seems to think it was or natural causes. Like these people, their insides were eaten. Okay. Yeah. And this, the fact I mean, that no more happened, he's just like, oh, it's okay. None none more happened. We'll just move on. Like, excuse me? Captain Clueless. People we are team anti-Kel this episode. <laughs> when are we ever team Kel? I know, but it's like, it's come on, coming on strong. <laughs> you're just, you're finally joining me in my rants. It's normally just me, like, yeah. screaming to the rooftops about how much I cannot stand him. I'm usually indifferent, but he's. Yeah, you, he's you usually are digging like, into me today. You yeah. normally are like the devil's advocate of like, uh-huh. no, it's not really that bad. And I'm over here like, yes, it's that bad. And <laughs> today you were like, it's that bad. I'm like, right. yes, it is that right. bad. Who put him in charge? I'm very concerned. If this was a real kingdom, if this yeah. was my real kingdom that I had to live in, I would be like, mm-hmm. who's in charge of this place? It would make more sense for Brulo to be in charge. Mm-hmm. And Kale, who got trained by Brulo, is in charge of him at 21. It makes yeah. not, I'm sorry, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Each day she got better at running, going farther and faster. She also managed to keep from killing Kane when he taunted her at training. The crown prince didn't come to her rooms again, and she only saw him during the test when he grinned and winked at her, making her feel ridiculously tingly and warm. She had more important things to worry about. Only nine weeks remained until the final duel. Knox and some of the others were doing well enough that those four spots were starting to seem rather precious. Kane would definitely be there, but who would the other final three be? She'd always been so sure she'd make it, but if she were honest with herself, she wasn't so sure anymore. And that's chapter 22. 22. So to recap this episode, the second test has arrived. They have to scale the castle wall and capture the flag. And... Ned Clements, a.k.a. Scythe, the murderer, falls from the wall and dies rather brutally. Grave pushes Knox over the wall and begins to cut his rope, and Selena has to make a daring rescue to save him. Kane wins the competition by going the easiest route, according to Selena, and she comes in 18th place and Knox comes in last, only saved from elimination by Ned's death. Kel teases her about 18th place, and we learn some of Selena's upbringing and training with Arabin Hommel. She was given the best teachers and tutors, then told at 14 that she had to pay him back, which she eventually did. It was over 500,000 gold coins, and he spent it all within three hours. Kel is outraged for her, as he should be. Yes. We learn that one of the champions who didn't show up for the test was found mauled and dismembered in a stairwell. And Selena continues to get stronger and faster, and a few more tests pass, so now there's only nine weeks until the final duel. She wonders who the final four will be. She used to be confident that one would be her, but now she's not so confident anymore. Please don't forget to like and subscribe on whatever listening platform you are using. You can find us on Instagram at Throne of Chaos Pod. We are most interactive there, so come say hi. And you can also find us on YouTube if you'd rather watch us. Check us out over there and subscribe. And we have just started our Crescent City 
reread. Mm-hmm. So as soon as we finish that, you should expect some bonus episodes on our thoughts, theories as we prepare for Flame and Shadow, which is so weird to say. It's going to be here before we know it. It'll I be know. Here. And I just finished A Court of Silver Flames, and that just made me so ready for our next Akatar book. And I'm mm-hmm. really kind of hoping she goes back to her old thing of doing like two books in a year. Mm-hmm. Because she's had like, what, four years now to write Akatar 6? I know yeah. she had to work out some kinks with Crescent City 3 because that would impact pieces of Akatar. It's five. Never mind. It's five, not six. I keep five. wanting to put the novella as book four when it's technically three and a half. I'm fine if she wants to release little novellas also, here and there of just people it was a court of thorns and rosies on tiktok but she was talking about how there was supposed to be a book called like the twilight of the gods that was right. supposed to be released mm-hmm. which was basically like the entire world background for throne of glass that's the world oh. of the world of throne of glass yes yes mm-hmm. But Twilight of the Gods was supposed to be like a, a prequel. A, it's not defined what it actually is. I'm hoping it's a prequel of Thea and Adis. Which she has said that she's wanted to write a a, a prequel. But And I, I need some. Now that we know there's crossovers, a lot of things align in all three series as 15,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things were at play all at one time. Across was Brandon 15,000 years ago, or is he older? He, I think it says like millennia ago. Well, she just uses that at, like, the dawn. Of yeah, like so that. I feel like Brandon Malame, Thea, Peleus, Fion, The Crossing, mm-hmm. and The Daglin, all of that, I feel like it's playing out all at the same time along all of all of our worlds, and so Twilight of the Gods might be this prequel series about all of that. We don't know. That's not confirmed, but there's a good educated guess. Yeah. But the world of Throne of Glass is also was supposed to come out back in like like 2019. Yeah. Yes. And that will just, it's like our encyclopedia of all things talk. I feel like once she decided that Mm -hmm. she was going to go for the crossover, because you have to think. So she was actually, she'd already written Akatar while she was publishing the beginning of Throne of Glass. Right. Even though Akatar didn't come out until around like Air Fire time. Mm-hmm. And it was while she was on tour for Air Fire that she got the idea for Crescent City. And that's when she decided she was going to do the crossover. But she was writing A Court of Silver Flames right. during this time. So A Court of Silver Flames is like our first, first bridge. She had the idea and wanted to put Easter eggs everywhere else. But A Court of Silver mm-hmm. Flames is like the first book where she knew she was going to actually do Move it. Move forward. Mm-hmm. So that book's like the pillar for right. the rest of these books. And I feel like at that point in time, she probably, they had to decide to put the world of Throne of Glass on hold. Because right. she. It would have gave yeah. away so much stuff. Yeah, because yeah. it was supposed to have like bloodlines and like yeah. all that stuff. So yeah. I'm hoping we get some more news which we did get the news of the u.s paperbacks we're mm-hmm. finally getting those i've already yeah. pre-ordered mine i have i pre-ordered Flame and shadow in mm-hmm. both of the exclusive barnes and noble editions because they yes. are beautiful can't wait uh, for them to come in yes so and the paperback i didn't get it but i'll probably end up getting the paperback of the host set that matches yeah, yeah I, I mean that's I've, I've, I've pretty much I need a complete that. set there yeah <laughs> <laughs> I've pretty much accepted that I'm gonna do it too but just it's 
It yeah. wasn't a pre-order option. Right. It, I didn't pick it as a pre-order. Right. Which, for anyone who's in the U.S. that does shop at Barnes & Noble, fun fact, you can call your local store to do a pickup. They'll put you on the list of people who want to do one. Another fun fact, or at least this happened with my store, if they're doing a pre like a pre-order sale online, if you call your store, they will honor the pre-order sale, even though you don't have to pay for the book until you pick it up. And then if you have a Barnes & Noble membership, you can put that membership on top of the pre-order sale. Ooh, see, because I haven't called yet. I just did my pre-order. I don't like waiting for shipping. Yeah, and they personally so damn. I did not have a good experience when I got my new yeah copy I, ship. It was just all damaged. I did not like it. Even though it's like a 25-minute drive for me, I prefer to go to the store and pick it up on day instead mm-hmm. of waiting for them to ship it to me because then they don't ship it until release day. Right. They're and not we- legally allowed to do that. Right. So, like, the book takes four days to get there, and then I'm sitting around watching everybody else read yeah. the book. No, I'm going completely silent, dark, until I finish Flame and Shadow when it comes out. So my, I've told my mother that I will be become a feral human being. And you just, if you don't hear from me for four days, just, right. I'm okay. I've already taken off those that whole week of work. Well, I'm, work, <laughs> I'm making myself work Monday. And then I'm going to come home for work. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to wake up at midnight. I've got a plan. <laughs> I'm working that Monday. I'm taking a nap. I'm going to get... The Kindle edition, because I'm not going to be able to wait till 8 a.m. I'll probably read that until like 6 and then drive to my Barnes & Noble and sit in the parking lot and read some more until the store opens. Unless we can convince the stores to do a midnight premiere, which is also a dream. And now that we've rambled, we'll see you next week for another episode. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.